Hey everybody, it is the Kurt Schlichter Town Hall VIP podcast in the house. Uh, and we are, well, I guess we're in the house. Let's talk. This is the week of, I don't know, what is it, December 16th? And uh, we got a lot to talk about. We got a lot to chat about. We're going to chat. We're going to share. We're going to have feelings. We're going to share our feelings openly without restraint. Uh, A little warning, I may work a little blue. I may drop an obscenity, profanity, or vulgarity here and there. I'm going to do a lot of it, you know, but uh, I may do that. And I I, I want you guys to know that and to be expecting. Some of you people are like, good, man. I love it when Schlichter swears. It's awesome. It kicks butt. But uh, others of you are like, hey, I don't like the obscenity, vulgarity, and profanity. And at which point I'm thinking, why are you listening to a Kurt Schlechter podcast? I just just don't know. So we've got a lot to go. Let's start across the Atlantic in Great Britain. I I don't do a good British accent. Sorry. But uh, wow. Wow. Thursday, the utter repudiation of leftists by... The British people, uh, Boris Johnson and the Conservatives, are some like 60, 70 seats ahead of everybody else. Uh, Labor Party under Jeremy Corbyn, destroyed, ruined, doomed. They got a crusty old socialist with a weird anti-Semitic vibe uh, who promised kind of a Cambodian-style nightmare leftist hellhole. And the people were like, no. And furthermore, there was also the underlying Brexit thing where you had the elite go, yeah, it's a free country and your voice will be listened to. Okay, let's have a referendum we want out of the EU, except when you do things we don't want you to do. In that case, you don't get a vote and we'll make up some sort of reasons why and pretend that we think you should have a voice, which we really don't think you should have. Wow. Wow. Does that sound familiar? Does that sound like any other country you might be familiar with? Because it sure does to me. It sure sounds like a country that I'm slightly familiar with called America. Frankly, I think it's a warning. Look, Brexit uh, was a, a kind of a canary in a coal mine for Donald Trump. And what it, what it symbolized, what it meant, what it crystallized was the revolt of normal people against garbage, transnational, globalist elite. And when you start saying things like transnationalist, globalist elite, it's like pretty much next you're thinking, oh, now I got to talk about the Knights Templar and the Trilateral Commission. But, you know, it's not a conspiracy theory if it's a clear and coherent definition based on observations of the... Uh, making of society. And, and by the way, this is part of the magic of podcasting where people kind of like in my house are like living their lives around it. So they're like, like passing through this room, just kind of shaking their heads while I'm talking. But in any case, it's not, it, it is not a conspiracy theory when you observe that there is a credentialed elite class in the Western countries that share uh, kind of a common level of prosperity, a common set of credentials, a common set of beliefs, which are generally kind of center-left and maybe a little more than center-left. And their loyalty appears to be, 
And again, this is just observation. It appears to be to each other and not to the people of the countries for whom they are supposed to be laboring. For instance, we have, a, we have an elite in this country who is supposed to manage our institutions, whether it's academia, media, entertainment, whatever, politics, obviously. And they're supposed to allegedly manage it for the benefit of regular folks, try and make our lives better, give us peace, give us prosperity. And in the last couple of decades, we've seen a couple different things. We have seen an elite that is by no real measure elite. Now, they've got credentials. I went to Yale. Yeah, but you got an interpretive dance degree at Yale. Look, I had some uh, Yale person try and come and be a law clerk at my office. And she's, her, her thing was literally like dance. It's like, okay, all right, you want to go to law school, you can come clerk to me. She comes to her first interview, she's late, right? She's late to the interview and she thinks nothing of it. And we're like, why were you late to an interview? Well, I had trouble finding your place because it's hard to park and stuff. And it is hard to park. It's kind of a pain. So we're like, okay. She comes for a second interview. She's late again. When my partners meets her at the door and she goes, uh, yeah, here I am. And we say, yeah, there's no interview. You're not hired. Don't be late to interviews. Goodbye. And she like couldn't believe it. But I went to Yale. Yeah, you were late to an interview. If you come out of an institution of higher education with some sort of credential. And yet you don't understand that you get to interviews on time. Are you anything more? Are, are you actually educated? Have you actually learned anything? This is a symptom of what's wrong with the entire transnational globalist elite. They have, they inherited uh, the most peaceful, prosperous uh, era in human history. And they inherited the leadership of it. They didn't earn it. They didn't build it. They really don't understand what it takes to do those things. It, you know, World War, you know, the previous generation, World War II, generation after that, civil rights and uh, uh, putting a man on the moon. And then uh, what has our ruling class done in the last 20 years? Uh, let's look at their track record of success. There's Iraq. That didn't work too good. Uh, the Wall Street failure. There was Obamacare. Uh, let's see. Right, how about the Internet? No, the Internet was a previous generation. We just added Twitter. So basically, our ruling class's achievement is Twitter. So just like let that bounce around in your head for a while. Um, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it, it, it's quite remarkable how garbage they are. And they but they don't think so. Their opinion of themselves is stratospheric. They think they're just the bad. We're smarter than you, Hicks. We're better than you, Jesus-loving rubes. You gun-having freaks. We're just much more you know, civilized and moral. I mean, we don't believe in God, but we kind of derive kind of a generic spirituality of uh, measured by adherence to our own kind of pseudo-Marxist social justice warrior dogma. And... When you have contempt for the people you rule and you're not like a pure dictatorship where you can like, uh, you know, the peasants are revolting. They sure are. You know, send the troops to fire some grape shot into that mass of them. That's right. Thank you, King Louis. Right away. Uh, we. Uh, you got a problem. Because when you pretend that the people are sovereign, 
And again, that's what they're doing. They pretend that they are ruling in the name of the people with the approval of the people. That's what they're pretending. Eventually, the people are going to go, oh, well, I get a say. Well, that's cool. All right, well, let's, let's have a say. And eventually, they're going to say things that you're not really thrilled about, that you don't like, that you don't want. They're going to say things that go against your ruling caste's interest, because that's really what our ruling class has done. It, it, the idea was we will rule, and we'll, get, we'll take a little off the top, right? We'll take a little money and power and prestige and authority and stuff, but we will run the institutions for the benefit of the regular people. These people feel they have no obligation to do that. They feel we're going to run these uh, institutions for our benefit. The hell with you people. Not only are we not running for your benefit, we're actually going to screw with you. And then they're surprised when, once again, the peasants are revolting. In Britain, the, pe the people said, look, I, I'm sick of having a bunch of unelected bureaucrats in Brussels tell us how to live. I, I am a British subject, and I will be ruled by the Brits, not a bunch of, you know, Euro-weenie uh, fascists who want to mandate pronouns. And the global elite who get their power out of this unaccountable kind of authority was like, oh, well, you know, if you really want a referendum, you can have one. And it never occurred to them that they might lose. And then they did lose and they lost big time. And their defeat, they, they couldn't accept it. Well, we want we want another vote, which is what the and the EU is famous for that. Right. There are other countries that were talking about getting out or not approving plans and they would like have a second vote so that people could get it right. And in Britain, it was like, no, no. And the people didn't back down in Britain. And this time it repudiated the hell out of the British elite. Remember, it was part of the conservatives, too, because in the United States, we have the same problem. We have the Democrats represent the ruling class, but there are a lot of garbage Republicans who do, too. Ahoy! You know, the cruise shilling hacks like Bill Kristol and the other wife-swapping weirdos. Um, figuratively, wife-swapping, mostly because I don't believe they could ever you know, have a woman, even pretend to be attracted to them. But that's beside the point, ahoy. Um, their loyalty was a ruling class. And remember the the, 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 the never Trump types, these fake conservatives, the rhinos, the sissies, their loyalty was, again, always a ruling class. They just pretend to be conservatives to get votes. They would go, you know, out to Iowa or Utah or wherever else, and they would pretend to be conservative and get the votes and come back to Washington and do what their masters told them. And they would get to sit at the kiddie table and eat scraps. It was pathetic. And then, you know, we kind of caught on to it. After decades of conservatives, you know, shilling donors for money, we would, we, we finally, you know, said, I'm, I'm sick of you conservatives who don't conserve anything. You're out. We're, we're, we're going to vote for Donald Trump. That was the you know, level of desperation because Donald Trump was not a normal conservative. It was all part of this thing. So anyway, back to Britain. So Britain's got, you know, you have the class thing where the people are going, I freaking told you we're in charge and we're going to be in charge. And we want what we said to be done to be done. And it appears that the uh, vote was bigger than the Brexit vote. It appears some people who didn't support Brexit also didn't support 
not enacting what the people said. Look, I, I, you guys didn't take my advice on Brexit, but, you know, we voted for it, so we need to do it. This is a free country. I guess they hadn't got the word that it's not really a free country. That's just kind of a, uh, you know, it's kind of a scam. Suckers think it's a free country. It really isn't, but we'll let them think it is. But, you know, the people were like, no, 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 I, I, I prefer a free country. Um, the other thing was Jeremy Corbyn. And Jeremy Corbyn's essentially a less cantankerous Bernie Sanders. He is a hardcore leftist. He's a communist, loves Hamas, loves the IRA, loves terrorists, hates, hates his own country. And that's the thing about a lot of Democrats. They hate their own country. They hate, they, remember, the ruling class does not believe in nationalism. They do not believe in their country. They don't believe in the United Kingdom. They don't believe in the United States. They believe in themselves and their dogma. That's why they tell you that nationalism is bad. How dare your loyalty be to the United States of America? Because remember, your loyalty is supposed to be to the ruling class, especially if you're in the ruling class. And Jeremy Corbyn, I, I, I watched BBC. BBC's coverage was fantastic. BBC may be you know, normally um, uh, in the bag for the left, but boy, their coverage was good. And they, they went and interviewed some labor people, and black woman, Indian woman, black guy. And you're like thinking, okay, these are probably labor voters. And you're like, well, you know, I'm not really a conservative, but I couldn't deal with Corbyn. Couldn't deal. We, we can't go down that road. And I was like, holy cow. The ruling class, remember, doesn't include all the elements of the liberal coalition. Right. In America, you know, the liberal coalition generally uh, includes black Americans. The only black Americans who have a say in the ruling class are members of the ruling class. You know, uh, black Americans as a group, they're just in there a bunch of people to be exploited or ignored as convenient to the ruling class. They, the ruling class doesn't care about black Americans, they don't care about gay Americans, they don't care about women. It cares about itself and its own power. And that, that became obvious, you know, so you get a bunch of, uh, you know, credentialed affluent people and they're thinking, oh, well, this, you know, this, this Corbin guy sounds great. You know, Hugh Grant is out there making ads for Corbin. And of course, Hugh Grant, remember, this is the guy who said, well, I'm, 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 I'm tapping Liz Hurley, but I think what I'm going to do is I'm, I'm going to get caught with a, uh, grimy streetwalker on some uh, Los Angeles side street. I think that's a good plan. So this is the kind of level of judgment, right, that our ruling class has. You know, I'll toss over Liz Hurley for a uh, dirty prostitute. So you have this entire class of people and they, and their interests are completely alienated from the people they purport to be part of their coalition. And the people are seeing it. If you are a black American or a Hispanic American, you will be told by the left, uh, the, our ruling class betters, our media, that, you know, there are conservatives are racist, sexist, and everything. And you look, and under Donald Trump, we have the lowest unemployment for black Americans, lowest unemployment for Hispanic Americans in history. And there's a disconnect. And, you know, when they pick somebody like Elizabeth Warren, big chief sitting Bolshevik, or Bernie Sanders, who's just a 
commie-loving communist. Uh, I mean, the guy honeymooned in Russia. Well, remember, we're the guys who love Russia. He honeymoons there, but we're the guys who love Russia. I was personally in the Cold War. Whatever. There, there's a disconnect there. And uh, how's this going to come back? How's it, what, what effects are it going to have here? I think this is a harbinger for the future. I think this is a canary in the coal mine. The day after the, uh, essentially, the Democrats of, uh, of Britain were utterly humiliated and broken, what were the Democrats here doing? Not only were they ignoring what happened in Britain, not only were they ignoring this giant flashing red sign saying, holy shit. You are screwed. They were doubling down. They were doubling down on their one policy goal, which is to remove Donald Trump to increase their own power. Remember, their number one policy goal is increasing their own power. Yeah, they kind of did like a sideline on the uh, uh, Canada-Mexico trade deal, which is very important to Americans. But that wasn't the big thing. They were trying to impeach Donald Trump. And impeachment's just not working. You look in the places in the Midwest that the Democrats have to win, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, and impeachment is bottoming out. Donald Trump's numbers are soaring. This is an affluent, blue enclave obsession that's not shared by even members of their own purported left-wing coalition. And the same thing happened in Britain. Their coalition members, now you, you, you go to the affluent areas, you go to the equivalent of blue cities in Britain, and they were all, oh, heck yeah, Corbin. You go to West LA, you go to Manhattan, you go to Washington, D.C. Oh, yeah, we love Warren or Buttigieg or, you know, Sanders or intermittently Biden. But everywhere else, they're like, nah, why are, you, why are you screwing around trying to undo the election with this impeachment crap? They don't, people don't see it. People don't agree. But in their echo chamber, if you're turning on MSN, BC, NN, all you're hearing is how, you know, the FBI was A-OK. Everything's good. Russia, Russia, Russia. And, you know, the IG report, of course, says exactly the opposite, even though it was soft. And you you start believing it. And you believe that Corbyn's going to win. And you believe that America's going to turn out for the fake Indian who wants to, you know, na nationalize everything, take your guns, you know, force you to pay for other people's abortions up to the time the kid can get Social Security. It is not... It, 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 it's it's a disconnect. They they don't understand their own country. You look at these people. Look at the, I mean, look at the average NBC person. Do you think they've ever been outside the Beltway? You think they've ever been off of Manhattan? You think they've ever wandered around through like Oklahoma? Think they know where Wisconsin is? We know Hillary didn't know where Wisconsin is. That drunken, staggering weirdo. Oh, yeah, and, and all people are like, well, Hillary's going to come back in, and, and she's going to win. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I don't know her thing. Where's my screw-top chardonnay? <laughs> oh, my gosh. 
Democrats, when you lose next November, when Donald Trump's reelected, and when we keep the Senate, and when we take back the House, try and look surprised. You shouldn't. You should be doing something about it right now. You should be going, holy crap, we have become completely disconnected from the people we think are going to support us. But they can't do that. That's the problem when your politics stop being politics and start being a religion. Remember, they, they mock us conservatives, you Jesus lovers. But see, we've, we've got our religion, right? Politics isn't a religion for us. We, we actually have some flexibility. For instance, we, we can change. And a lot of conservatives have. You know, remember, I, 20 years ago, I was a big hawk. Now I have a uh, town hall probably coming out this Thursday, unless I write something else. That'd be Thursday the uh, 19th. Which Get out of Afghanistan. Okay, That is a 180 degree. But it's not my, my hawk. Being a hawk's not my religion. My religion's Christianity. If you are a liberal, your religion is your dogma. You don't have God. You have you know, this weird social justice theology where you derive your personal worth and value from your adherence to their bizarre uh, fetishes like, uh, uh, you know, pretending climate change isn't a hoax and it is a giant hoax, or pretending that men can have uh, babies and menstruate and that women can be fathers and all this insanity. They actually, you know... That, that that is their religion, right? And and that is their sacrifice. I will sacrifice my dignity to Gaia, the Earth Mother, by by uh, publicly announcing something I know to be false—that a man can have a baby—and that will that demonstrates my devotion because I have to be devoted if I'm going to get up there and say something so transparently and transcendently ridiculous. That's why they can't change. That's why they can't alter. That's why they can't possibly see people like you and me, normal people, as human beings with valid interests, uh, with uh, the moral authority to uh, possess and assert our rights. Because to them, their politics is a religion. Politics is not just personal. The politics is spiritual to them. We don't have that part. That's why, you know, conservative, I don't care if you're liberal. I don't care you know, if I'm not with liberals I'm in Los Angeles. That's all I hang out with practically, except when I specifically am hanging out with designated conservatives. It doesn't offend me. They're just wrong. And sometimes we'll talk about it. Sometimes we'll talk about other things. But for them, for liberal, for, 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 for the left, in large part, it is essential. It is a moral imperative that they evangel evangelize evangelicalize, evangelize about their commie beliefs and that they burn the heretics. That's why you're not just somebody who disagrees with whether, you know, the weather is going to kill us in 10 years. You're a denier! A denier! You hate science! I hate science so much. It's stupid. But not to them. And that's why they can't see what's coming because, and they can't change what's coming. How do they change? How do the Democrats, where they are now, change? Now, the guys who have a problem are the 31 Democrats who are in seats uh, in congressional districts that Trump won. 
Those are what those were the purple ones. Those are ones that gave Nancy Pelosi the majority. Those are the guys who said, well, I want to be bipartisan and let's work together. And I'm not about labels and I'm not going to be Nancy Pelosi's puppet. And, you know, I'm going to stand up to Trump, but I'll support him where appropriate because I'm, I'm bipartisan and let's hug. Bullshit. Okay, there are a bunch of Democrats, there are a bunch of liberals who are lying. But the problem is they realize they've got to keep the lie going. And you can't keep the lie going when Nancy Pelosi has you in a headlock forcing you to vote for impeachment and all sorts of other crap. You just can't do it. And they've got a problem. It's those 31 seats where normal people are going to go, what the hell did you do in Washington? I sent you back to Washington. You promised you'd be bipartisan. You promised you'd work with the you know, administration where they're right and, and, and stand up when they're wrong. You know, I'm not a hardcore conservative. You know, we're not hardcore conservatives in this, you know, sissy district, but... You know, we want you to work together by and you haven't done it. You've been Nancy Pelosi's bitches. You guys are Ned Beatty. You're on a canoe trip uh, down the Congress River. Okay, and you're squealing like pigs. And that, and they're going back at town halls and they're getting screamed at. People are going, what the hell are you doing? Impeachment? I can't afford, you know, Obamacare has made it so I can't afford my health care. And you guys' big problem is Donald Trump is president. He got elected. I don't have to like him. He still got elected. You're not doing anything. And most of yeah, some of them are dumb and will do what Nancy Pelosi says because they're dumb. Others are like, holy shit, I'm going to lose. I'm going to lose because of you lunatics. I'm going to lose over this uh, Medicare for all crap where I'm going to take your doctor and you can't choose it. You can't have a doctor even if you want to. That you pick. What? Who's who's buying that? And it's it's going to be a problem. Look, impeachment is you know I, I, they're pushing impeachment the day after Great Britain threw up this giant warning sign. And you know I'm look Jerry Nadler's presiding over now. Adam Schiff, the human lollipop with the weird anime character eyes. He's done. But now we got we got Oompa Loompa Jerry Nadler. And every time I hear him, I was like, Oompa Loompa Doompa Dee Dee. You know, I, just, I can't Jerry Nadler, my God. And he's like four foot two. And he's, you know, literally round. You know. Him and Schiff, Tweedledee and Tweedle dumb shit. Um and and, and, it, and it's no surprise that he's leading them to disaster. I mean, he's in a New York district. He'll never, he'll never get uh, a real opponent. So he doesn't have to, he doesn't care. Schiff will never get a real opponent. I know there's always, I'm running against Adam Schiff. You're going to get 10% of the vote. They don't have any accountability. The people who do have accountability, they're going to get accounted. And those are the people the Democrats need to keep a majority. I think they're going to lose a majority. Look, I, I try not to be optimistic. I thought Hillary was going to beat Trump. You know, I was, I was, I, I think about Trump maybe has a third of a chance. And I thought he was giving him a lot of credit. And then he wins on that glorious evening. You know, whenever I'm depressed, which isn't very often because, you know, things are pretty cool. 
uh, but when I'm ever depressed, you know, you can go, I go on uh, YouTube and I start looking at uh, you know the videos of liberals crying after Hillary was crushed and humiliated, and it makes me feel better because um, feelings are important to me, especially their feelings, their feelings of brokenness and shame and humiliation, and they make me feel good. And I can't wait to see that next year. But uh, the the thing is, we we, we, we you know I, I I try not to be super optimistic. I thought Hillary was going to win, and she didn't. And it was glorious. But I always look at the worst case. I'm always hedging, right? I defend people as a lawyer, as a soldier. You always, you know, always want to make sure you're secure before you attack. You always worry about what the enemy's going to do. I try not to be over-optimistic. But I got to tell you, I think Trump's going to win next year. I think we're going to take back the House. I think we're going to keep the Senate. And uh, I think it, it may well be a Corbin-level disaster for the Democrats. I think all the pieces are starting to fit. You see the bigger trend, again, like Brexit, Boris Johnson's election is a canary in the coal mine, is a warning. Uh, you see the Democrats making mistakes. This focus on impeachment, which, which I don't think Nancy Pelosi wanted to do in the first place. I think she was forced to do it by the left. I think she was smart enough to know this is not something that's going to, because we all know it's going to lose in the Senate. It's just a matter of how humiliating the loss is. And it's really directed towards a narrow group who they've already won. Everybody who's for impeachment was always for impeachment. It was always going to vote for Donald Trump. It's won no one else over. Instead, it bored and annoyed people in the middle. And what, what, and what do the Democrats point to as their big achievement? Trump's going to get credit for the uh, trade deal. Trump's going to get credit for the economy. Trump's going to get credit for not being a sucker in getting into some new war. Like the war they wanted with frickin' Turkey over the Kurds? Are you kidding me? Remember how the Democrats drew the line? You're betraying the Kurds! And normal Americans, you know, the ones whose kids actually go over and fight and go, why should my kid get killed fighting for the Kurds against a NATO ally to defend some border in the Middle East. We can't even defend our border here. All right, my kid's literally in more danger from some drunken illegal alien from El Salvador running him over than from any Turk, or any Kurd for that matter. And again, I'm not any Kurd. If I had to choose between the two of them, I'd, I'd probably choose the Kurds. I'm not going to go tell the uh, mother of a paratrooper in Nebraska hey, your son needs to die because the Turks and the Kurds can't agree on which line in the sand ought to be the enforceable one. Donald Trump gets that. Democrats don't. Oh, he's, he'll betray the Kurds. Uh, you, we, we, we should have stayed in the climate change agreement and given a bunch of money to the third world and let China and India do what they want while you know, cutting our own throats. That's not a sell. You, you, we, we, we should have let Iran keep the bomb. Well, no. We shouldn't have recognized that Jerusalem is the capital of Israel. Trump is killing it as president. He is the greatest president since Ronald Reagan. There's, and there's no doubt about it. You can't come up with a coherent argument that that's not true. 
he is absolutely incredible. Uh, <clears throat> absolutely effective, even though he's got the entire media against him, even though the Democrats are, you know, just this side of sedition fighting him. People see it. And I want another four years, and they want another four years. Hell, I want another eight years. Let's fuck with it. Let's freak out the Dems, right? Let's freak them out big time. Let's be like Trump 2024. I think Huckabee raised that, and there was this giant Twitter. Oh my gosh, it's a betrayal for treason! I totally, I totally think we ought to, like, just to screw up him, push to undo, what is it, 22nd Amendment? Allow him to, uh, allow him to have a third term, fourth term, fifth term. President Trump, as far as the eye can see, good Lord, can you imagine it? You know, you don't even have to like Trump, you just have to hate liberals to want to see him freak out for like the next 20 years with Trump as president. The fact is, he's been a great president. I was not a Trump supporter going in. I was a Ted Cruz guy. I got the, I got the canceled checks to prove how much I like Ted Cruz. But Donald Trump's performance. Donald Trump has faced unprecedented and illegal uh, resistance. Not just the entire media, not just entirely the Democrat Party, not just the cowards and traitors within the Republican Party, but our intelligence community has uh, further disgraced our, itself uh, trying to stop it, and they have all failed. You know, it used to be our intelligence community was just incompetent, but they're, now they're an active disgrace, and they, they, were, they were fighting Trump, and he has beaten them. And I want to see in the next term him clean house among those garbage people. Here's a fun quiz. See if you can uh, see if you can do it. In the last 20 years before Trump, name a major success of our intelligence community. Somebody's going to say Osama bin Laden. And my response would be, so you consider it a success that they took 10 years to find and off some uh, freaking bedsheet bandit. That's that's a this qualifies that, that, that ten years to find and kill this asshole qualifies as success. That that is a great success in their terms. Uh, they have failed at everything, everything, and it needs to be built around. And of course, that's part of the establishment. That's part of our elite, which is not elite, which is not competent, which is the worst ruling class we've ever had. And our ruling class is stupid. Like they didn't see the wall falling. Like they did see weapons of mass destruction that weren't there. Like they didn't see the meltdown in 2008. They don't see what happened in Britain this week because they can't see it. Because if they did see it, if they did acknowledge it, that would force them to confront their deeply held pseudo-religious commie beliefs, which they cannot do. They can't turn from their path, people. They can't change. It doesn't matter what evidence it is they are presented with. It doesn't matter what facts they encounter. It doesn't matter what they see. The Democrats, the liberals, the ruling class cannot change. That's why I didn't even bother paying attention. They didn't even bother paying attention to what happened in England. They cannot change because they are all in. Their dogma is a religious belief. They can't change it in the face of evidence. It is immune to evidence. It is an article of faith. And that's why they're going to get crazy. 
And when they get creamed, when they get destroyed, when they get wiped out, repudiated, and humiliated next November, and Donald Trump is, by acclamation, declared our president for another four years, and we have taken back the House and kept the Senate, I'm going to laugh and laugh and laugh. So that's my podcast for today. Hey, you know, I've got my books out there. People's Republic. Indian Country, Wildfire, and Collapse. And I want you to check them out because they're a lot of fun. They're actually really cool if I say so myself. And I do say so myself because they are really cool. But there are people say so too. And at some point I'll do a podcast. I'll talk a little about them and my process for writing them because I, I, I think that's interesting to me. I don't know if it's interesting to you, but it's my podcast. So tough shit. Um, you ought to get them out. You ought to check them out. And... Uh, Lots of stuff coming this week. Like I said, I got, I think, and of course, the stuff changes, but I may do my Afghan, get out of Afghanistan article on Thursday the 19th, which will be uh, uh, probably controversial. People will like it. And uh, uh, on my VIP town hall thing, which is Wednesday, I will likely do uh, uh, the newly discovered right to uh, have other people pay for your funeral. True cradle to grave socialism. <laughs> God, I wish I had thought of that. Somebody on Twitter said, it's really cradle, cradle and grave socialism. I'm like, damn it, I wanted that line for myself. And I forget who did it, but that person gets credit. Anyway, looking forward to talking to you again on the next uh, Redacted, the Kurt Schlichter podcast here at Town Hall VIP. Check you later.